Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Unrefined Ideas Podcast, where we uh, talk about unrefined ideas and just have some discussion. Uh, Today, you're going to get to know all of us here at Station 8 and uh, learn a little bit about what makes us us. Speaking of uh, therapy and good things in our lives, we're here live at Station 8. Live. Coming at you live. What are we at? February 4th? Closer to your face. Just just pull it. Can you move that mic a little bit closer? Yeah. God, there we go. Stupid mic. All right. I think I'm comfortable enough. You think so? Maybe. Yeah, February 4th, 2021. Start of the new year. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's the 4th. Jeez, what the hell? Yeah. Flying. Hmm. What were you guys doing this time last year? Getting ready for a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I remember we were... It was I right wish. before March, you know, and we were... Uh, oh, yeah, like, is this going to happen? Yeah, we were watching it happen in China. Like, man, how crazy would that be if it came to America? Yeah. And like, we Could got you imagine locked. living in yeah, China? Yeah, could you right imagine? <laughs> yeah, it's, just like... It's, oh my it's God. funny because... And then one month later. Yeah, like, I remember <laughs> I was gaming, you know, usual gaming, whatever. And I was playing with one of my good friends who lives in China about 200 miles outside of Wuhan, um, where all this, of course, started. And... This was like November, December, and he was like, oh, I've got a cold, man. Like, I'm going to the hospital. I might die. And we were like, dude, you just, like, calm down. Like, you have a cold. Like, what do you what do you mean you're going to have a cough and then, like, go to the hospital and, and die? And come to find out, it was the coronavirus, like, live and living color in November, Did December. He no, he didn't die. Well, that's good. He, uh, he bounced back from it, but he it got serious. Well, but I'll tell you what, when they, when they went on lockdown... He told me that they, the government came along, locked them in their apartments, like, you know, in their building. Say, they were not welded? allowed to leave. Yeah. yeah I saw and they dropped of off a bag of rice here. on his doorstep. And they were like, you're staying inside. Just here's your rice. Here's your rice. Here's your sustenance. And they, and you know what? They, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they got it solved pretty quickly because yeah. they, you know, one benefit of a totalitarian regime yeah. i guess but yeah that's definitely a benefit of that for sure you just nipped it in the bud like right. hey you go outside we'll just take you to jail have We're you seen the video of the uh like i get what is does china have like a cdc what's what's their like disease control called you have to forgive my american ignorance yeah i'm not sure but it was a video of these like dudes in full hazmat suits uh showing how you could how you could handle somebody that had coronavirus like in the drive-through lines, you know, like temperature check and so on and so forth. And it was this guy drives through a temperature check. They check his temperature. It's too high. They ask him the questions and then he fails it because he has coronavirus. And so they get one of those like dog wrangler, like they're like 12 foot poles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> with the like <laughs> no loop. Way. Yes. With a little loop no. on the other end. And they're like wrapping him and like, <laughs> I can't just walk the man, dude. It was. was I guess they're, they don't. They're not playing games over there. They were. Did they give him a chance to just walk, or was he like resisting? No, that was like protocol. What? <laughs> he's like calm. Yeah, just he was like, just like chilling. has his hands like. To he had the a side. mask on. He's just like gets out of his car. They like right, step back. Wrap me up. <laughs> wow. Take me away. Yeah, wow. That's, that's pretty terrifying. Well, on a lighter note, <laughs> um, seems like we're always starting these with the heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about what's good. What's good in the world? We have uh, some good things stirring over here at Station 8. This is, I guess, podcast number one, right? I mean, Ooh. we've kind of chatted and had our things here and there through construction, but this is this is kind of the initiation and the first 
first bit of content for the podcast, kind of serving as the foundation and the baseline for everything yep. Station 8 is intending to be. And we have some lofty goals, but we have some really great people to support it. And I think even with the conversations you've already had with the community of Memphis, a pretty positive response and everything that we're setting out to do. And you've already got some yeah, good stuff that's happened and some good stuff on the calendar. We should, um, you know, take this opportunity to kind of talk as the three of us. What is station eight, you know? And, and I think that begins with who we are. It's probably a good place, right? <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Drew. Yeah. Drew hey. beats. What's up guys? Beat chef. Closer to your face. <laughs> Producer. <laughs> Sit up straight. It's hard because you can't. Yeah, you can lock that chair. Yeah, you can. Technical what? difficulties. I swear, dude. I've been trying for like years to lock this what? chair. I've locked that chair. We need chair new chairs, apparently. We'll add that to the list. The uh, getting new chairs soon, guys. Don't bear with us. <clears throat> What's up, guys? I'm Drew here at uh, Station 8. Um, music producer, singer, songwriter. Um, I try to help in any other ways I can with everything else going on. Um, but essentially, I'd like to come in here and. Um, <laughs> it's uncomfortable talking about no, yourself. Hey, how about I got an idea? How about this? Why don't you? You got a lot of great music that people can see on your Instagram and your Facebook and all the social media platforms. But you've already been creating some magic in here. So why don't we talk yeah. about that? You got some good stuff going. I think it's you got Jad Davis, you've got Andy Owens. Tell me about what you got going on there. How you've been working with them and. Some of the newer artists. I know Jad's yeah. been around for a while, but his music that he's making now is a little different. So, yeah, what, yeah. what you got going on? What are you making, it's, man? It's pretty evolved. Are you cooking up, sure. beat um, chef. Man, it's uh, definitely some new and unique uh, music that I've been working on lately with some pretty cool artists. All um, here in Memphis, yeah. Yeah, all all local. Um, um, basically, they they're bringing me rough ideas, um, and then I can kind of structure a beat around that and. Um, then kind of bring them back in to do more of the finer vocals. And then I will kind of go through after that and finalize it, chopping and mixing and putting effects on it and uh, trying to make it, you know, something completely different than what they were, you know, well, not than what they were wanting, but something that they wanted in their mind, but they didn't know it yet. You know, if that makes sense. You're trying to put your own special sauce on something. Yeah, that somebody yeah for sure. And, uh, I mean, so, so far they've been really pleased and <clears throat> so have I and, and, working with them. They've, uh, it's been, been real fun. Um, I know Andy's got, is it X Andy? Is that, yeah, X, X dot Andy. X, X. Or, does so, she yeah. want to be called Zandy or is it just, I think it's just X, X Andy. X Andy. Yeah. yeah. So X Andy, X Andy and she's releasing her first single February next, 11th. Yeah. yeah. Next week from week from today. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the one you guys have been working on. Yeah, and finished yeah, up. That, I think you're already first, on your third single yeah, now, say, right? Yeah, it's the first of a of a few that we're working on right now, and uh, yeah, that was a fun. You know, that was our really our first time working together too. So just trying to figure out the the flow and how we work together. Um, it was. She's also uh, hopping on Drew Beats stuff too, right? Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What you got going yeah. on with Drew Beats? What, what's 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 in the way of Drew Beats these days, man? Man, I got uh, I got the sticker and got the shirt. Actually, a lot of stuff going on this year for Drew Beats. Um, <clears throat> got a new manager. I'm working with a uh, new like sound collective, and they're <clears throat> going to be dealing with all my merch. And hopefully, if shows ever come back, um, and kind of helping me with all my releases and stuff so i got a single coming out uh 
in the next two or three weeks, the the exact date is still tentative. But is that the one that Andy sang on? Yeah, and that's that's called Diamond Eyes. Sounds and great. That's, uh, that's the one that uh, had Andy come in and lay some vocals down. And uh, yeah, really excited about that one. That's going to be fun. But then I'm hoping to release an EP soon after that. And then my end goal for the year is to be releasing a full album pressed on vinyl. So that's uh interesting choice for a beat maker. What, what inspired uh, the vinyl? It's honestly an interesting choice for any musician right now. Yeah. Dude, it's, I mean, you know, I think it, there's it, a nostalgia to it. But like, yeah, it would but, be, a, you know, the limited press is pretty common, right? I mean, yeah, for like collectors' sake, I guess. Yeah, it wouldn't be like it would, I would do pre-orders essentially, and you, but can't, I mean, I've, you can't argue that it or sound not, I've had either. Some, no, I've had some people ask me, like multiple people, like, "When are you gonna are you ever gonna do vinyl?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." I mean, <laughs> I've always kind of wanted it just for my sake. To the have. novelty, yeah, just to have. It's that's really what, that's neat. what it is. Is novelty? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I mean, really you special. think about yeah. it, all the streaming services are just like boom, you you release it to that, but. <clears throat> for old school people who want to really listen to it on vinyl and have record players, you know, you know, what's really what weird if, about that fun, though is that treat. it's, it's beats. It's like digital, like EDM style music on vinyl. But I think that that's that appropriate. Like the digital marrying the two, but there's, it's, it's, it's not, not necessarily marrying the two, but just respecting the roots. I mean, everything that's digital now that's happened in the last, let's just say 20 years, correct me if you feel there's a better timeline, you know, we're able to generate, sounds through digital instruments and software that the human brain has just never heard before and that's changed the dimension of music and creation entirely in a really positive way i think but you can't have one without the other you wouldn't have the digital possibilities and you know creative capability without the analog at its roots it's kind of like when we were setting up sound at the studio even when the first phase of the studio 10 years ago you know the debate of the people that came in of analog versus digital because it was still kind of in that age of transition but inevitably digital and you know technology in general is gonna take over we can talk about that another time but i mean yeah there's arguments for that in almost any avenue when it comes to you know analog and digital film there's also an argument there like what do you still record to film do you record to Mm. digital media think about that how do you there's a really good documentary about it uh hosted by keanu reeves oh well you know it's good then (laughs) keanu but yeah i don't know i think it's cool yeah print up even the you know the 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 digital element and kind of going back and yeah i'm down for it i've never heard of that honestly maybe i'm just ignorant but i think it's cool yeah there's a lot of a lot of artists that do that i mean i have a pretty lights uh vinyl oh okay there's a right you know so it's a thing yeah, it, I'm telling you, it's pretty popular these days. It's making like a comeback. For the cool kids. For the cool kids. I guess it kind of makes sense for, like the more I think about it, the more it makes sense for stuff like that because, well, they're slightly different things. But like somebody with a turntable could oh, easily, yeah. you know, if somebody's still <clears throat> DJing right. old school, they can just toss your vinyl on. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah I, I give Will Nichols some. And you know that it's Gilliam just going to, that, that'll come full circle as well as the turntable is real turntables you know because what 20 30 years is the cycle so yeah. in a couple of years because we're seeing the the digital controllerists right now you know doing the the sick finger drumming and live <laughs> yeah. live affecting but you don't really see as much of the the legit vinyl you know djing this day these days but you kind of have to I mean, why would you carry around milk crates full of your records yeah, right. when you can have a <coughs> USB thumb drive? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. fair, so fair point. 
unless you just have it set up at your house, you know. I mean, just practically, that kind of raises the ceiling for what you can create, right? Yeah. Just on a practical level. Right. Yeah. Just being able to have more with less. Yeah. It's kind of kind of important. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good idea of what's going on over there in Drewland. I, think, I, I didn't yeah. even know some of that stuff. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I mean, we got Nick over here. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I've known Nick for wow, since 2008. Is that right? So, 12, 13 years. Yeah, 2008. That makes makes sense. You've been on quite the creative journey. Yeah, I like turtles. <laughs> a little. I like turtles. Um, you like a lot of things, and you're good at a lot of things. What I mean, I know it was. It's been interesting. I don't want to speak for you. I want, I want to hear what you have to say. But it's been interesting to see you go from you know touring and playing on the record label, um, and enjoying music in that capacity with people to seeing you just create for the sake of creation in a studio project where the music never was really intended to be shared, but was still awesome music. And I was even able to be a part of some of that, which was a really great opportunity. But, um, you know, I also saw you kind of evolve and move into film and start working with Hotkey. Shout out to Blake and everything that they accomplished. Yes. Um, but I don't know, like, what do you, what, like, I guess, tell us your, your, your journey, your history, like a brief explanation of kind of where you've been, kind of what started things for you creatively and like where you've arrived to now as the owner of station eight and kind of facing up a, you know, a new multimedia movement for Memphis. Mm. Uh, I mean, when I was younger, I used to make short films with like my friends in the neighborhood and that was film was kind of like the first thing that I fell in love with. And my dad is kind of to thanks for that in a way. And I think that's why I like film so much or movies just in general, aside from the actual like production side of it. Um, my dad, you know, used to take me to go see movies every Wednesday. It was like our thing. Um, and so I don't know, I think I just fell in love with it and I wanted to make short films. And so I did it with a handful of friends. So were you doing film? Cause I mean, I'm thinking 2008, 2009 when you were playing with Cornerstone, were you making film? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, in high school, that's what I... When I was in high school, there wasn't really a film class, per se. There was a club, you know, like after-curricular, after-school type shit, extracurricular shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my... I think it was like my sophomore year, the dean of students, you know, approached a bunch of people that were in the club and asked them if it was an art credit, would we take the class? And I immediately, I was like, uh, yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> give me one class period where I can just make right. film and talk about movies. Hell yeah. Um, and that was all the while I was playing music. But but before before even that, you know, film was my main thing. And then I kind of fell in love with music and playing guitar, mainly because of some friends that I had that kind of uh, pushed me into it. Because when I was younger, man, it was like, just a constant from my parents, you know, <clears throat> like your your grandfather is Scotty Moore. You <laughs> should play guitar, you know. And so you it, felt some pressure, huh? Yeah, it was a little. And I know that probably turned you off. And I think that's why I feel the way that I do about you know, not name dropping and not using that stuff. Because if it's you know, if I'm gonna do it, I want to make a name for myself and not necessarily be tied to that. But it's you know, in perspective is always something to you know to factor in and i think 
in recent years of especially since he's passed you know, I've understood that there is a little bit of a legacy there that I should probably a little bit. <laughs> I should probably change the world, man. Do something a little bit. But yeah, I mean, uh, when I got out of high school, I had pretty much focused on music. That was pretty much all I did. Uh, but in in the meantime, I've filmed like random, you know, on the road, rock on the road tour videos, nice. and, you know, shit yeah. like that. I still edited. Even when we were playing it. meta. Yeah, yeah, we shot that. That's on YouTube right now. Yeah, yeah. I, there's film. Film is always kind of like, you know, weaved in and out of my life together mm-hmm. with music. Is they they go hand in hand. But uh, when I got out of high school, I was playing in a band called Cornerstone, and uh, it was just a bunch of my friends and people that I grew up with. And eventually, once that kind of started to fizzle out, I got the opportunity to go on the road and play in a band called Papercut Massacre. Uh, with a bunch of, well, a, a few really nice, awesome people, <laughs> a.k.a. Sean Morgan, who was really awesome, Joey Culver, who has recently passed away, who was really awesome, uh, and kind of like, you know, when I was out on the road, dude, it was like, felt like I had fucking made it, you know, like every week, here's some money to just go play on you play, stage. You're playing bass for paper cut. Yeah, play yeah. bass. But yeah, man, it was hell a bass player. Really, really good experiences. Yeah. Um, and then once that ended, <clears throat> uh, once that ended, I, that was when we pretty much started doing meta stuff. A little bit before that, I did some stuff with Darren mm-hmm. uh, Jordan, who was also in Papercut. Um, but then that kind of quickly transitioned out of that into meta because I think it was. I don't know. You're, like you More said, what you were looking for. Yeah, creating art for art's sake, you know, and letting letting it kind of be what it was going to be. Um, I think our first track had like ten instruments on it. So, and a Rick was one of them. Like yeah. we're not we're not trying to do that live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> looking yeah. back on it, I don't even know how we would have done any of that. I think live. that was the one with the African mouth bow, right? Yeah, there is some of that in there. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Wooden string, quite literally. <laughs> Like a piece of wood and string. Yeah, it's sitting right over, yeah, it's right over here. Come over to Station Eight, check it out. <laughs> play, play, play an African mouth bow. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, so um, after that, after Meta was kind of feel like I feel in some ways like in Meta, I gave a lot of my like I just like pooped out a bunch of my creativity and was just like here it all is. And then after it that, it just it's great music. It kind of like went away in a way musically, uh, and shifted um, into film. And I was lucky enough to uh, meet up with uh, Chris Eubanks, Shy from uh, Sore Eyes was the old. That's name. a legend Empire right there. City. Yep. Savage <laughs> after Shy. midnight. Good, love him or hate him, man. That's a legend. Oh, I love Shy, man. And he, no, he's, yeah, he linked me up with Blake, and uh, Blake was kind enough to you know offer me jobs and give me a chance and blake was hockey studios yeah Mm -hmm. um looking forward to maybe having him soon yeah for sure and i learned a lot from blake and i think it was kind of a mutual learning experience um but i think that's what really kicked it off for film and i I wasn't even like like music was just like i was just like okay i'm i'm done with this because just personalities people that you deal with along the way it just kind of got got to me a little bit but then drew you know came into my life and it was like kind of reignited some of that fire 
Um, but uh, you know, I still trying to do film. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not. But yeah, no, that's pretty much me. That's, yeah. Well, you, I mean, I, think I also like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> with with Station Eight being in its current state, I think that you know you're in a kind of a rare circumstance to be able to you know, apply all of what you've learned creatively through the mediums that you know best. Music is a facet of it and even already has, you know, been playing a role just inherently, but having the opportunity to push film and, um, you know, develop that in the same capacity, like it's awesome. Now I feel like all of your intentions there, all of your experience and everything that you've gained up until this point, just from having known you and even been a part of some of that creative process, you're just at a point now, with station eight and putting this out there, even this conversation of, of just bringing awareness to all the things that you can contribute to the world, you know, whether it's music, whether it's film, you know, just through the process of creation. I mean, I've seen you make album artwork that was, you know, like top tier. I mean, there's, there's so much creative, lyrically, whatever it is, I've, I've never seen anything that you've touched artistically be anything but great. So no, I can uh, argue yeah, that. That's, no, that's <coughs> well, okay. We all true. have our songs that we have to work the kinks out on and, you know, we play in our room and never share. Like, I'm sure it's out there, but my point being is that, you know, being at this stage in the game with these resources and, and Station 8 and, you know, the support from us and from the community, I think, already without even really, you know, we're in week three and we're already, like, booked, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's good. I think a lot of good things are happening. I'm excited to see. I I, lo- I love hearing that story. I love seeing that piece of it, and I'm also equally as excited to see what the future is with yeah. within that the next phase. What's the next meta? You know, what's the next paper cut? What's the next piece? And you know, I, I think, don't think there will be another meta. Well, I don't. Cut. I don't mean like that. I just mean <laughs> in terms of you know, you can document. It's, we talk about snapshots from time to time. How music exists, and you know, yeah, these films been... as a snapshot of the current time. And I'm just. I'm excited to see what your next one is. Art. Well, you guys are forcing me to release stuff, so that's yeah, not forcing that's you. Gonna happen. Oh, yeah. what just we're, we're excitedly encouraging you guys, you. you guys, just for listening purposes, they're all looking at me like, yeah, we did. Yeah, we're forced. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just, it's, yeah, I think part of just my personal perspective on the world is feeling uncomfortable is really important. You just need to feel yeah, uncomfortable to grow pressure. as an individual because if you just live your life in comfort, you're never going to push your boundaries and just grow, whether it's personally or professionally. Well, or- it's not comfort, though. It's like this, <clears throat> like like you said, music is like, at least to me, my perspective of it is music is a snapshot of a moment in your life. And the, the moments that are put into those songs are, in some cases, really amazing, Some in some cases, really bad. Mm-hmm. And it's weird sharing those moments. I know that no one fucking else knows that those moments exist in those songs, but I still know that they are, and they right. still mean something different to me than they do anybody else. Yeah, so it makes it difficult. But yeah, no, I'm down. I understand that. I take a point oh one percent ownership in anything that you've written since we've been in construction. That's <laughs> that's the only perc- percent that I use to vote to encourage oh, to. Yeah. Uh, to put it out there. It's just to be fair for for listeners, it's just incredible music. It's not like they're going to listen to it know. now and they're going to be like, "Why <laughs> do they think that this is incredible?" Whole self-defeater over here. No, no it's, it's not that it's way. It's quality, at all. man. It is, um, it is. And I'm excited to quality. to share it and I know like 
there's got to be some part of you that maybe is excited a little bit, right? About just having a chance uh, to put nervous. something. That's fair, though. I'm excited. Nervous means you care. But I just don't know. I don't know why anybody would want to listen. Just let them decide. Yeah, they don't true. have to click play. True. That's the nature of the world, right? You know, you know, you can just keep on scrolling. It takes about less than half a second to just flick that thumb up yep. and keep going. It's true. <laughs> so no pressure, but I think they'll like it. So Brad, what about you? Who are you? What have you done? What makes you you? Um, you know, that's I'm good at asking, and not so great at telling. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess. I've definitely always been a creative person. It started with a love for video games. Like I remember being able to make Mario run before I could. Like <laughs> I remember my, you know, my parents coming in like when I was like five or six years old, and they were like, "We love you very much. We want you to have this." And it was an Atari, like twenty six hundred. Yes. And I started off with Snake, and like, just there's something about like the idea of technology and art and music and just everything coming together to make a gameplay experience that just really impacted me as a child. And I moved into playing RPGs. Like I remember third grade, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, Legend of Zelda, Green of Time. And those were just like more, you know, grandiose portrayals of these, all these different artistic mediums drawn up into one. And the idea of being good or creative or just, you know, adept in a lot of different things has always appealed to me. Um, just from having seen the video games. I mean, mm. I know we talk a lot of shit about video games in the modern age, and like, yeah. it, granted, you can abuse it. You know, it can be. Well, it's different now, right? Yeah, it's it is, and it's not. It's still, it's just a grander, again, like a more grandiose format of, you know, you're still taking a lot of different art forms and making something really special as a collective. And I think that fundamental concept of just taking a lot of different things and maybe not you know, a lot of video game, you know, designers and a lot of those things, they are masters and it's maybe not necessarily about mastering everything, but I've spent a lot of my life, um, trying to at least understand on a fundamental level, how it works and how I can use it to make something like the creative part of me has manifested itself in many different forms. And, um, you know, it started, I didn't really have anyone that I like connected with, uh, when I was in high school, like no one really messed with me, but I was always kind of on my own and I just spent a lot, I was just, I'm heavily introverted. Yeah. And I mean, I spent a lot of time developing my extroverted skills, but even today at the core, I'm an intense introverted person. That's just, yeah. that's my comfort zone. My, my own abstract intuitive space is where I like to be. And I think, you know, when I kind of gained some confidence when I was graduating high school and you know, my acne was clearing up, you know, I was growing <laughs> up a little bit and I got, a, I got a job and, um, then, you know, I started getting into management. Like I was, I was immediately in management and business when I started working at Domino's and, uh, like two months in and I'd never really had a legitimate, I mean, I had, I'd had jobs I'd worked at cafes and stuff from the time I was like 15, but it was, it was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I tried college. I paid for my first year and you know, I knew that that wasn't the path that I wanted to go down, at least not right then. And uh, started working and then quickly moved into management. And then in that time was also when I was playing music um, with my best friend and roommate at the time, Austin Thomas and Jeremy McDonald, Patrick Connolly. Um, we were, we were playing metal, uh, Aaron Williams. He was, he was in there too. Um, good old here lies heart. Oh yeah. Here lies heart. It was a good, it was, 
you know, essentially metalcore. And it was at that time for me to go from being, you know, this introverted being to all of a sudden managing people and businesses and being a front man for a metal band where I'm screaming in people's faces. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like you really, you know, that for me was essential. Like that helped me on so many levels more than just music or creativity, like just building that confidence and putting myself in a position where I knew nothing and just kind of getting comfortable with it. Um, I don't know. That was, that was just really important. And that was, kind of where it started creatively was that music. I think I started yeah. playing guitar in my senior year of high school and just cause I, I should have before then, but again, I didn't have the confidence and no one, I didn't have anyone around me to push me or develop me. My parents yeah. were great, but I didn't talk to them either. Let's yeah. be honest, you know? So, I mean, anyway, so I, I you know, after playing with Heroes Heart, that was when I connected with you over here. Um, that was back when this was the noise factory. Mm. Dave Cowell was over here producing shout out to and Dave yeah, shout out to Dave Cowell. He did a excellent job. Um, producing that album, especially then, like knowing a little bit more about the equipment now, like that album for what it is sounds excellent. I mean, he did a great job and like, you know, that equipment, everything that we had, it really made it sound great. Um, and eventually, you know, as, as with all things, we, I think if we would have pushed a little harder as a collective, we probably could have done something with that music. But at the end of the day, I don't think it was all of our intention. And I think it just kind of eventually melded away and, um, I got more invested in my career. I uh, started working for Paul Mitchell, which was a really great opportunity and taught me a lot more about, you know, business management and balance sheets and PL forms and, you know, marketing and branding and merchandising and just how to, you know, it, it just kind of became clear to me that there's a lot more ways to be creative within a space than, than just music. And uh, I love music and music has always been incredibly dear to me, but it seems that through my passion for words, which is, I think, why I was a vocalist in the first place most of the time. Like, yeah. I just realized there's a lot more, there's, there's many more ways to be creative than, you know, I guess what I just thought when I was younger, which was like, oh, well, you just make music and that's creative, or you paint a picture and that's creative. But through business, marketing, merchandising, branding, through working with people and supporting people, like, I mean, I'm working at a school. We're talking 200 students a year. And the emphasis of our job is to make sure they're successful you know, to, to support people in that capacity was really enlightening and how I want to spend my time and energy and to be able to use a creative process to support people in a way like that is just really important to me. Yeah. Um, it became more important to me. And, um, that same time I worked there for five years, but that same time I had this like imbalance of, I really want to work with my hands. Like I just felt like something mechanical would happen and I would just barely even understand <laughs> how to unscrew something. Like yeah. I just felt like I was really ignorant because I had just never put myself in a position to work with my hands. And I just, and I, and I was around hairdressers. Like they're you, so incredible at what they do. When we were building that, the booth out and we were using like the, like when you jacked up the, the support beam here, we used the T to hold the yeah. drywall up. And like, I stuck my foot under it and just like held it up, and you and Austin like lost your shit about it. I don't think I remember. You were like, "What, what made you even like think to do that? Like, that's so." <laughs> well, you got a pretty good. You're you're pretty. You've had a practical background in some ways. Well, I think. Well, like, yeah, but I was just saying like that. That I think the common sense explains. was just non-existent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. explain. I was an idiot, and I still am. Let's be honest. But we all are. Um, I don't know. I so I I that ended that that thought in my brain ended with me quitting my corporate job that I had built 
for five years and r- literally running the business as, as a director with my my coworker. Um, I quit and went and built my own house over the course of a year here in Memphis um, with my grandfather and my uncle, um, mainly my grandfather. My, gra- my uncle came out. He's a incredibly skilled carpenter and helped me do the heavy lifting um, and the framing and all that good stuff, which was about a week and so forth. But anyway, I just jumped head first. Yeah. I got a great deal on the land and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to like, I had a really unique opportunity and it was the worst thing I ever did. And also simultaneously the best thing I ever did. But just that process of taking, you know, a forest plot and turning it into a house with a driveway that's livable and is a space. And, you know, I've had parties there and I'm just thinking like, you know, I'm creating memories and other people are having memories here. And like, that was just really meaningful to me to yeah. just be able to make something with my hands that, people could feel and touch and experience. I mean, that's art too though, right? In a way. Design wise, I would say yes. I would say the actual building itself and just carpentry and construction. I think that's a craft. Yeah. I don't think it's an art, but I mean, it's the same. It's using the creatively. Same. You're, you are thinking of something in your brain and then causing it to exist. Right. It's using the same sort of like gear to spin. Yeah, fair enough. I think I will say like when I'm creating something or designing something, it's much different than when I'm sitting there trying to cut out the wood. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like it's a way different way of thinking in my brain, but it takes both. I mean, you can you don't have to do both. Obviously, you don't have to design your own house or whatever to rebuild things or make something great. You know, you can always build other people's work and remodeling or whatever. There's a lot of ways you can do it. But I don't know that just that became really important. And just I realized just how cathartic it was stored with my hands. It was yeah. basically exactly what I wanted it to be, but I had to do a lot of suffering that year and get screwed over by MLG and W. Um, and, uh, <laughs> everybody in Memphis knows. Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Mainly like gas and robbery. It was awful. They got me for, I think 25% of the cost of my home was paying MLG and W for a light post or for a uh, electrical post just to run powered miles. Like, like imagine that 20, I mean, granted my house is essentially, a glorified tiny home. It's a mini manor, if you will. Mini manor. And <laughs> like that. it's a, uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's ridiculous that, that it happened that way. But either way, don't, we don't have to focus on that. We all know MLG and W sucks. But, um, so how did you end up here at Station 8? Yeah, so I wanted to keep going down that, that, um, that, that hole. And I ended up moving to North Carolina in a really remote section of the Appalachian mountains with no phone service where I lived for two years and worked for a fine home building company with, uh, five guys. Shout out to Equinox Woodworks, Appalachian mountains, Western North Carolina. That's John Perti and Todd Kenberg at the helm over there. Um, they taught me, they were, I mean, day one, anything that I hadn't done, they didn't try to hold me back. They were like, here's how you do it. Go do it. There was like, I mean, and everything foundation to finish. That's exactly what I wanted. I, I appreciated their work ethic because, their work is top quality and that's the way I like to work. I don't like to just get by or just do things the way it is. Like, I mean, whether it's just scraping little bits of mud and concrete off just so everything sets perfectly low, whatever it is, the fine details matters to me. Yeah. And they really valued that and took their time with things and, and made something really special every time they did. And working with them was amazing. So that, that on a cra- on a level of craft and technical skill rocketed me forward. I built three homes with them to green built standard um, which was an awesome experience. And, um, then I actually went and worked for, uh, the biggest craft brewery in 
North Carolina, to my knowledge, which is Wicked Weed Brewing, and opened up their fine dining brewery. Because in the process of building my house, I started bartending, which was also inherently creative because I was doing a lot of the craft cocktailing. I did the volume bartending down at local. Yeah, down at local Midtown, I was doing the the high volume stuff, but and I appreciate that too. But I really enjoyed the crafting, like actually making stuff from scratch and right. fresh ingredients and making it taste really great. Yeah. Um. So I was able to do a lot of work. I did a fermented beverage program with them, doing all kinds of stuff, which not beer, but um, you know, just like kombuchas and juns and um, ginger beers and stuff that you just make from the air, like the yeast in the air. It was really cool. I got to work with all the farms there and connect with them. And that was really important to me. And I really living there, I lived, um, working in Nashville, living where I did an hour away. I was actually living in an artist community, like an intentional community Mm. basically is like a, a, a people, different artists that they had their own land and their own plots and everything. But we had like a community space that people were able to go to, we were able to host events and just have things where the community comes and hangs out, which is, was really inspiring to me to see people like live together, work together and do things together. So I guess what I'm getting at to answer your question, how I ended up here is this has unintentionally become the vessel for everything that I've done creatively, whether it's been the music I've made or the, the technical knowledge of building and designing and creating things or working with a community and helping set things up to support people or whatever it is. This is a conglomeration of everything that I care about. Yeah. And I'm fortunate to have you guys and have the space here, which we all worked very hard on. We rebuilt this space. Yep. That was a lot of work to, I mean, that was three months or two and a half months, I guess, that we were just in here every day, ripping things apart and putting it back together. And it shows, <laughs> you know, compared yeah. to where it was, but. And now we're sitting at this table. Yeah. Doing a podcast. Custom handcrafted Brazilian table. rosewood. Um, <laughs> it actually is a nice, nice table. That you guys have nice to come table. see it, yeah, but. Yeah, come see for yourself. Anyway, that's really long-winded, so I apologize. <laughs> but essentially, it's just a creative opportunity that, um, you know, I think gives all of us here the ability to use what we've learned and kind of what our intentions are as individuals and kind of manifest it professionally and do something that, uh, you know, we can actually put a name to and a brand to that can represent the intention. Yeah. And that, you know, that in itself is personally, and I think we're all on the same page, looking to bring to Memphis to, to have, you know, a name and a brand and a legacy at your roots with Scotty Moore right behind you. I mean, all this, all these things play a, 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 a part in what makes station eight, what it is and what it intends to be. And that's something that, you know, has the tools and the knowledge and the skill to get back and yeah. be something good in the Memphis community. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like what I saw there is something that we can share together and with others and other Memphians. So sure. even though we're just sitting here talking, like, I think that this is, it's good to put it out there. It creates accountability and right. yeah, for sure. makes that intention more intentional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like listening to my voice? Yeah, dude. It's, it's nice. <laughs> I, hate, I hate my voice, but here yeah, we are. I hate my voice as well. So what I think it's sexy and grizzly. We have some, we have grizzly. some stuff on the on the horizon though, right? We and do stuff that can dovetail nicely with this podcast and other things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. We, it's it's kind of uh, well at the same time while we do have the resources to create you know film and and uh, video work and you know audio music you know all these things. Um, it's kind of interesting how it's taking form. And I think a lot of that, like in some ways we have an idea of what it is, but in a lot of ways, I think it will continue to kind of define itself. Like we've already been reaching out and speaking with local businesses just about how they've weathered the storm of the coronavirus and ways that as a community, we can better support them. 
um, and understanding that, you know, we didn't necessarily set out to do that initially, but it just, it just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, so as far as like things that we're working on, I mean, we already heard Drew talking about the amazing work that he's done with Andy and the stuff he's doing with Jad and, um, you know, some of the music videos that we even already have done, um, in the, in the evolution of station eight and kind of it getting to this point. I mean, it's all really great work. And now sitting here having this podcast kind of being able to serve as, an umbrella for all of the multimedia content that we create. Uh, I mean, this is, it's the hum, right? Mm. What's the hum at station eight. The hum is anything that might be happening creatively in Memphis, Tennessee and us setting out to, to document it. And that might take the form of, you know, a podcast interview with one of these people. It might take the form in a live performance session. Wink, wink coming soon. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've got yeah. some stuff already that's going to be launching in the next couple of weeks. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. We're we're really excited. We've been pretty much hundred percent full swing in action, just grinding, um, trying to make all this content and really push ourselves to, uh, you know, be a be a spot that's a comfortable place that artists can come and get the product that they really want. You know, that they want to be <clears throat> created they want created (laughs) (laughs) but um but we're excited and um got a really got a bunch of really cool things on the horizon that is absolutely for sure yeah launching the website tomorrow yeah station a productions.com yeah station a production.com yeah it'll be live tomorrow ready for the masses tomorrow the 5th yes february February 5th 2020 this is probably going up over the weekend so yeah so yeah, it'll be, probably already be up. Yeah, good. Go look at it. It's live. Yeah, go check guys. it out. It's live. <laughs> <laughs> it's can, the website is it. is not um, super involved, but it is a great place to just get a really, you know, simple breakdown of kind of you know just of the story of the studio of Station Eight and range of services we offer, but more importantly, details on you know how we plan on working with Memphis and giving back and right. ways to contact us. It's just a real simple yeah, it's, 4 or it's 5 a tabs. very small percentage of the the things that I think Station 8 as a a production house is going to do. So yeah. It's a highlight reel yeah, if you will. It, yeah, yeah, it'll give you an idea, but definitely. yeah, social media will definitely be a really you know, if you want to keep up with what's going on and, and interact and mm-hmm. social media. That. Call call us anytime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, anytime. If if you're interested in coming and doing a live performance set, uh, we're working on our Hum Live at the Eight series, uh, where we have artists come in and perform a live set, usually three to five songs. Right now, this is being done. I mean, completely out of our own time and resources to support local art, and that comes with you know uh, a live performance video, mix and mastered tracks for each song that you play. Uh, it's a really honestly amazing deal to be able to just come into the studio and do that right now it's a good time to hop on it but the intention is to keep that uh you know in in a a way where we as a business can can do that to support local art and not try to profit off of it that's not the intention i mean we do have to keep lights on things like that but uh, you know ideally that comes from you know working and helping people make their dreams a reality and this is just a way to support it more so right yep absolutely well is there anything else I'm sure there is, but it's just the first episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could probably just keep talking, but yeah, should we? Could, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Are they even still listening? Yeah. <laughs> Hello? I think they uh, stopped listening after I started talking. <laughs> no, dude. All right, guys. This has been the first episode of Unrefined Ideas. 
thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Don't forget to check out all of our social platforms. Get in touch with us. Go to our website, station8productions.com. Thank you guys for listening. Take it easy. Peace. Talk to you soon.